Living Corporate is brought to you by The Access Point. The reality is, this is the largest influx of black and brown talent corporate America has ever had. And as a result, a variety of talent entering the workforce are first-generation professionals. The other reality? Most of these folks aren't learning what it means to navigate a majority white workplace in their college classes. Enter The Access Point a live weekly web show within the Living Corporate Network that gives black and brown college students the real talk they need and likely haven't heard elsewhere. Every week, our hosts and special guests are dropping gems, so don't miss out. Check out The Access Point, airing every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard on livingcorporate.tv. Hey everybody, this is See It To Be It, the now Wednesday podcast from Living Corporate. Living Corporate is a digital media network that centers and amplifies black and brown people at work. My name is Amy C. Wanninger and I'm the host of See It To Be It. When I was growing up in rural Southern Indiana, I didn't know people who went to college or who worked in professional roles. I didn't know what those jobs looked like or how to break into them. But this show isn't about me, it's about my guests. Every week, I bring you career stories from everyday role models in jobs you may not know exist. More importantly, the folks I interview share their perspectives as black and brown professionals in jobs and environments where they may be the only. My guest today is Danielle Tucker. She owns ProfessionalSpeakerWebsites.com, where she helps professional speakers build their brands and positioning themselves for greater success. But before we get to the interview, we are going to tap in with Tristan for some career advice. What's going on, Living Corporate fam? It's Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting, and I've teamed up with Living Corporate to bring you all a weekly career tip. This week, let's have a discussion around lateral moves. Just to make sure we're on the same page, a lateral move is where you take a job that is on the same level or in the same band as the role you're currently in. These typically take place within the same company, but that's not always the case. Most people cringe at the thought of lateral moves because there are some pretty big misconceptions out there about them. So join me while we debunk a few of them. So the first one is, I'm not advancing my career. Well actually, lateral moves give you a greater exposure to the business and therefore more marketability down the road. Gaining an understanding of multiple areas of the company makes you better suited for executive roles. The next myth is, I have to start all over. So okay, while that is true, your immediate work circle will change, you have an existing network from your old role. Utilize those networking skills to have them introduce you to connects in your new world. Now the third myth is, I'm going to be making the same amount of money. Now this isn't 100% inaccurate, you know, lateral moves typically equal the same level, which equals similar pay. But make sure you do your Googles. Sometimes the market value of your new role is higher than your old role. If that's the case, you can use it to negotiate a bump in salary. Uh, the next misconception is, this won't be challenging. In theory, moving laterally means the jobs will have some similar aspects, but many times the responsibilities can change drastically. Maybe you're moving from having no direct reports to managing people, or maybe you'll get some larger or more visible projects. I know no one wants to start something new only to feel like they've ended up in the same spot, but I'm telling you, lateral moves can be a great way to expand your skill set, diversify your knowledge of the business, and help you make a name across your organization. 
This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network. Hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert Neil Edwards, The Leadership Range is focused on having real, raw, soulful, and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. Make sure you check out The Leadership Range everywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to See It To Be It. My guest today is Danielle Tucker. Danielle is the founder of Professional Speaker Websites, a web agency dedicated to empowering speakers, executives, and corporate trainers to elevate their brands so they can attract more of the right clients and secure more speaking opportunities. As the strategist of choice for experts featured in ABC, Fox, Essence, and Black Enterprise, Danielle's simple and refreshing approach of partnering strategy and design empower speakers to intentionally broadcast their brilliance. And I can already tell just from Danielle's bio that she and I are going to have a follow-up conversation um, about how we might work together in the future. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. So excited for our conversation today. Me too. So you and I actually met through friend of the show, Deidre Wright, um, and you've been working with her, I understand. And so I'm just so, it's so nice to meet you and learn a little bit more about your work. Now, do you come at your web design from a marketing background, from a graphic design background or from a tech background? Yes. So I come from more of a marketing design and strategy background. I feel like I dabble in like everything, but I'm very intentional when it comes to the strategy and partnering it with the design. Excellent. So how, how did you get to this place? Because you probably were not born a marketing strategist, web developer. No, I wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, I'll start by saying I'm originally from Pensacola, Florida and uh, growing up, I attended a private school. So um, when you think of private school, you automatically think, oh, this person had access to tons of opportunities and it was just made for them. And I found that for me, it was actually the opposite. And being in this private environment, I found that I was one of a few children of color in the classroom. And because of that, it, I found myself really closing off and hiding my brilliance for the sake of fitting in. And also being in a private school environment, it was also very competitive. So that was not really helping either, you know, already trying to hide and hide my shine and my brilliance. And so because of that, I found that it really affected my confidence and uh, things really actually turned around when I uh, began to realize that I, Hey, if like, if I'm going to make the biggest impact in the world, if I'm going to impact people and be the best version of myself, I can't be trying to keep everyone else happy and, and, you know, hiding my brilliance for the sake of fitting in. And so that's when everything changed for me. And it's actually the biggest why behind what I do in the marketing space, because I know how much having confidence really impacts how you show up and how you take action and be the best version of yourself. So uh, that's really the foundation that sparked 
the uh, desire for me to really be in this online space because I want other people to feel confident with, with how they're positioning themselves, with how they're showing up and how they're being present in the world because it directly uh, affects the people that they are called to serve as well. Absolutely. So you could have got a lot of different directions with this, right? Why, why this particular niche? Yes. So the biggest reason why is uh, when I initially started off uh, in the, um, I guess, entrepreneurial space, I had a lot of conversations with individuals who were wanting to get more visible with speaking and uh, being out and on stages, whether that was virtual or in person. And one of the biggest challenges that I saw that they were facing is that there are a lot of people in the industry who are great with design, but no one knew how to position these specific individuals to get booked for speaking opportunities and to really position their personal brand as the expert who could be on bigger stages. And so uh, I, I realized that there was a lot of really great opportunity here, but also I knew that I had some gifts and strengths that could be really impactful for people. And so instead of just uh, saying, Hey, like I support, you know, coaches or consultants, I really began to hone in on the problems and the challenges that I was seeing in order to really, uh, uh, support people to get the end goal of getting booked for speaking and being on more platforms and things like that. So the speakers that you work with, are they already professional speakers who are looking to level up or are they people who are maybe experts in their field and want to get into speaking to elevate their kind of their, um, their personal brand within their own industries? Yeah, that's a great question. I work with a lot of, uh, I would say both. So I work with professional speakers, but I also work with people who are coaches and consultants who don't even really consider themselves speakers, but they would consider themselves more of a teacher or someone who is wanting to become more visible through speaking so that they can impact more of the people they're called to serve. So I would say it's a a good mixture of, of the both of, of the people groups. Excellent. I want to go back to this notion of hiding your brilliance and how that affected your confidence. Um, and the reason, you know, this is something that I, I find in people who are other a lot, right. That we are, we convince ourselves we don't belong. We convince ourselves that we, um, so we start to do all of these things, right. To, to try to belong. And when you said that about hiding your brilliance, it struck me. I remember, you know, I remember one time my mom asking me when I was a a teenager, she's like, why do you act like you're not as smart as you are? Yeah. (laughs) And I said, well, and, and my answer was kind of a smart alecky response at that time. And I said, well, um, because (laughs) this is really horrible. This is what I told her. I said, because guys are really dumb. And if they, if they think I'm dumb, I'll know what they're up to. Oh my gosh. Brilliant. (laughs) And she's like, okay, that's fair. But I started thinking like, what are, what are some of the ways that, you know, that we do this, right? What are some of the ways that this shows up? Because after a while you start downplaying it to a point where you don't even realize you're doing it anymore. Right. It's just like, it's just the script that you follow. And I remember I used to be really into music when I was younger, like so many young people are right. And I would know the exact name title and album of a song right? But I would act like I didn't know, right? Like, oh, you know, it's that one song and I don't remember who it's by and what, like, I would act like I didn't know, even though I totally knew, right? I had the catalog of everything that was on the radio in my brain. 
And so I'm wondering, like, what are some of the ways that that you see this either in yourself or in others that people may not even realize they're doing it? They may not even realize that they're downplaying, um, but they're, that's holding them back nonetheless. Yeah. Well, first, I can totally relate to your story. I you brought me back to a moment when I was in high school. I was able to do advanced algebra without a calculator. And so, of course, all of the guys would make fun of me and be like, you know, just like talking smack or whatever during math class. And so you just brought me back to that thought, but, um, it, it just, it just highlights the point even more. So why it's so important not to feed, not to close off, but to leverage your strengths. But to answer your question, I would say, um, some of the ways that people are doing this that I've seen is just, and I'm guilty of this as well. I'm learning to get better, <laughs> but talking about yourself can be really difficult, especially when you're amazing and um, you have so many fantastic things to bring to the world. Talking about how awesome you are is not the easiest thing to do. <laughs> um, but I and I find that um, specifically when it comes to like verbiage or messaging or um, speaking about yourself, um, that that I think is where a lot of people fall short. And it's not because that they're not brilliant. I think it's because oftentimes we are able to see other strengths and things in other people so easily. But sometimes when it comes to looking at yourself, I don't, I don't know why it's just so much more difficult sometimes, but uh, sometimes it really just takes having that person who can see your, your brilliance and how great you are to pull that out of you. And then from there, to start actually owning that and, and vocally expressing those things about yourself, because it's true, you know, that is who you are and the things that uh, you have strengths in should be vocally communicated because it could be helpful for other people. Yeah. You know, and I think so many of us too, um, if we grew up, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically to people who are like first generation out of college, first generation professionals, um, a lot of us, because we grew up in like working class, working middle class or working poor families, right? We learned this ethos of, you know, don't break your arm, patting yourself on the back, right? Don't like, I can't tell you the number of times I heard that to the point where like, when I was a kid, I would go to scratch my back and worry that my arm was going to break because like, you know, that was just, it was like something that like worked its way into my psyche, right? At a very young age. And there are so many of us who grew up with these messages about, you know, like you, you don't stand up and say, oh, you know, I'm really smart. I did this, or I'm really great at X because somebody's going to be there to kind of cut you back down to your knees, right. And put you back in your, back in your place as it were. And I think a lot of that is self is like a, a like an intergenerational self-protection, right? So if you, if you grow up without a lot of money, like people don't want you getting these ideas that you're going to have more than you're ever going to have in your life. Um, you know, I, I know I've talked to a number of people, especially uh, who grew up black in the South, you know, who, you know, that was a survival mechanism, right? You don't want to get Certainly. quote yeah. unquote uppity, right? You don't want to talk back because that, you know, there were very real violent ramifications for, you know, kind of stepping into your own power, stepping into your own space growing up. And so, you know, there was a question in there somewhere that I kind of lost, but, but it is, it's really hard to uncover that. So how do you work when you work with your clients, how do you kind of tease that out of them? Because they don't have their biggest fan in the room with them, 
right? They don't have the person who, you know, has the pom-poms and the, and the whistle and it's jumping up and down. How do you get them to kind of, to, to knock down some of those barriers? Yeah, uh, I would say the biggest way is just through genuine conversation, because there's just something about having a conversation with someone that allows you to pull, like, let your guard down and share stories you probably wouldn't have thought to share with people who like you aren't very close to. And so just through making space to have conversations with people for them to share their heart, share their honest uh, experiences, I think it opens the door to see some really amazing things and experiences that may not have been enjoyable or that may have, have been really scary or uh, frustrating or maybe not even safe in some cases. But I think the cool thing is that on the other side of the stories, you really can see people's uh, resilience. And I think that that place is where you can really pull out the gold and seeing like, okay, this happened, but this is where you are now. And this is how, uh, this is, this situation made you a lot stronger. And, uh, but just having those conversations, hearing people's stories and then being able to uh, encourage them and say like, Hey, yeah, yeah. But this is where you are. And this, you're so much better because of what happened that I think is, is like where I would start and what I found to be the most helpful for people. So when you go to, then to design, to design a brand for people, which, you know, I mean, I know you said websites, but your website's your brand right? <laughs> at this point, like that's the, that's kind of the, uh, the one piece of your brand you can control, right? Cause what, what people say about you and all of that, like you can't, you can influence it, but you don't own it. Um, but the, you know, as you're building out somebody's website and you're kind of putting their, you know, their brand statement forward. Um, what are some of the, the aha moments or some of the transformations that you've seen in doing that work? I've seen people cry. <laughs> I've seen people not know, like not have the words and just sit in it because it's the first time that they've heard someone actually say those things about them in a way that they felt like they could receive. So those moments when that happens, oh my goodness, it's just so refreshing. And it makes me really appreciate being able to, to be that person for them. Uh, but, and, and also it really puts things into perspective for me as well to understand just how important the, the work that I do is. Sometimes you can get caught up in like the ins and outs of business and things like that. But I think it's those moments where people, you know, have like the teary eye or they're like, oh my goodness, like you actually have to sit and breathe through it, you know, <laughs> because it was that good. Um, I think those are the moments that really make the biggest difference and the biggest impact for people is being able to, to actually receive it. It's, it's like the action of being able to receive it and accept it for yourself. And then what, can, what is that? Cause I I've seen a little bit of this right in my own life where it, I've, I've had that moment, right. Where it's like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. Right. I didn't know that's what I could do, or I didn't know that's what people saw or what are you seeing that people then do with that? Because that's a moment in time, right. That unveiling or that, that reveal is a moment, but there's like this, this sort of, um, it's almost like a catapult 
right? Because where, where you launch them is not where they land. So can you talk a little bit about like the after? Yeah. So I would say if I could choose any word, it would be empowerment. And it's kind of, I I think I like to compare it to, uh, let's say you have a bank account, you have a million dollars in the bank, but you don't know the money's there. So it's just sitting there and not being used because you don't know it's there. But the moment that you know that it's available to you is when you can actually have vision to use what you have. And so uh, when it comes to the after and they have that focus, they have that vision, they act differently. They take actions differently. They see themselves differently. They position themselves for different opportunities and they have the confidence to actually uh, be in those experiences where, whether it's a stage, whether it's like a virtual conversation, whatever it is, uh, you know, they have more confidence to be able to put themselves in that position. Now I would say as time goes on, um, there's this whole concept of like imposter syndrome. I actually don't know if that ever goes away, (laughs) but, um, there are ways to be able to to still have the confidence to take action, even if you are scared, or even if you don't feel a hundred percent confident, uh, knowing, having the confidence within yourself and knowing that you can trust yourself, I think is what makes the biggest difference whenever you, um, are taking action and doing those big things or doing something that might seem, might have seemed scary to you in the past. You can always trust yourself and know that you're able to take those actions and take those next steps. That is so true. And just the opportunities, I think that people will put themselves forward for, right? Because they see themselves in a new light and they see, yes, I'm worthy of that opportunity, right? Um, I love that phrasing of it's like having a million dollars in the bank, but you don't know it because you don't know how to invest it. You don't know what kind of swagger you should be carrying, right? You don't know, um, you know, there's just, there's almost this like shoulders back, chest puffed up in this, right? About kind of, seeing yourself, right. The way your biggest fan would see you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think having an understanding of how great you are is like a very key part of being able to have the confidence within yourself. Um, I know for me, like this has been like a really big journey for me, um, with just, accepting and understanding my greatness and not shining or not hiding my brilliance for the sake of, you know, playing it down or even being able to identify and see, am I just trying to play it safe out of, you know, past trauma or, you know, things, bring things in the past or whatever. Um, and even being able to have an eye to see, um, you know, being able to self-evaluate and be mindful of those things. But yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like a whole thing that I think could be, um, deconstructed, but definitely being able to, um, see the value in yourself is, is going to empower you to be able to take those next steps and opportunities that are going to be better for you in the long run. Yeah. And, you know, it, it occurs to me as you're talking that this journey into entrepreneurship, um, just in and of itself, right. Is the willingness to, feel the fear, do it anyway, right? It's this willingness to accept that there's more um, that you could be doing. Um, I don't know that I would ever have appreciated, you know, what it takes to make that leap if I hadn't done it myself, because, you know, people say, oh, that's really scary. Um, But you don't know how scary it is 
until you've done it. So can you talk a little bit about that process and what that's been like for you? Um, scary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, like you don't know until you do it. Um, but I think in terms of my experience with entrepreneurship, uh, actually like business for me started about five or six years ago. And my husband and I, we decided to be digital nomads. So that's actually how our story began. So we did some traveling in South Africa, Botswana, Malawi, and all the while we were building a business, not having any clue what in the world we were doing and having to navigate the uh, environment of being in countries that we've never been before. (laughs) So I would say the journey of entrepreneurship in itself is stressful, but for me, when I think about my journey, it's like to a completely different level. Like there were so many different variables at play, but even through the midst of um, traveling, building a business abroad, um, one of the things that I would say was most helpful for me was choosing to keep going and uh, choosing to not not just sit on it and give up. Now there were some situations we had no, like there was just no choice. Like you either keep going or you get stranded in another country. But um, those experiences really helped me to build that muscle of resilience and uh, be able to say like, okay, like if I overcame this past thing or if I overcame this this really big challenge, like what's to say that I can't continue doing that something else that's difficult or some do another hard thing. And so I would say just the journey of entrepreneurship is definitely challenging, but oh my goodness, when you get to the place to where you want to be, it is so, so rewarding. It's so rewarding. Uh, I think hard things will always happen, but it's, but you build the muscle to be able to get to the next step that you're wanting to get to. And I think as long as you're willing to take action and not give up, it, it will, you'll be in the better position to actually get to where you're wanting to be. And I think there's a lesson in that too, for people who are in careers in corporate, right. Where they're, they're looking to move forward, right. There's this notion that you know, you still own your brand, you still own your contributions, you still own, um, you know, you still own your brilliance, you own all of these things that you bring in. Um, So while you are a piece of a bigger whole, you are whole within yourself. And, you know, doing the next hard thing, whether it's, you know, in your career, whether it's standing up, you know, standing up for yourself or for someone else, uh, whether it's, you know, sticking your neck out and, and asking for the promotion or, you know, cutting ties with, you know, with the bad employer so that you can go somewhere else where you're appreciated, right? Those are all things that, that you have to learn as an entrepreneur. It can take longer when you're in the corporate space because you've got this kind of safety net of that every other week paycheck or, or whatever it is. But, you know, what lessons do you see um, for people who are, are doing that grind, right? And who love it, but yeah, maybe there's something more they could be reaching for. Yeah, I would say continue to be a good steward of where you are. And when I say that, being in the corporate envir- environment, there are so many uh, jewels and strengths and skills that you can continue to cultivate that 
will further empower you to be a fantastic entrepreneur. I know um, throughout my journey, I was also within the corporate space because as an entrepreneur, I realized there were things that I just needed to have more skills in, or I needed to have more conversations with people who were in a corporate space and they may have had access to things that I just didn't have at the time. And so I would say anyone who is in that space, who loves it and who wants to continue to grow forward, or who may even be thinking about entrepreneurship in the future, definitely don't undervalue where you are. Take as much advantage of the opportunities that you have uh, with where you're working, with who you're working with, and with the experience and the skills that you're able to gain. Because I'm telling you, those things are absolutely crucial and they can actually give you a leg up whenever you do enter the entrepreneurial space. I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, especially if you start off as like a solopreneur, you think that uh, you you have to do so many things on your own. But in order to be a successful entrepreneur, And even successful in the corporate arena, you have to depend on your team and you have to depend on your network and being able to build those connections. And and so uh, taking those skills that you garner in the corporate environment, like appreciate those, keep them and use them as you are positioning yourself to be more in an entrepreneurial role. Absolutely. Yeah. So you were, you were kind of touched on this, but I'm curious, you know, first of all, as, you know, somebody who's out on your own, doing your own thing, right. Your own business, but also, you know, with this concept of being a digital nomad, where do you go for community? Yes. So there's a number of different places. So I network in a lot of online communities, but online is not enough (laughs) really. Um, so in my local area, I actually live in Ecuador, South America right now. So, um, in my area, there's a number of people who do speak English, so that's good. But then also connecting with, uh, the local people, um, has been really amazing too. So, um, whether it's like through business or even just learning more about the culture, um, familiarizing myself with things that I didn't grow up around, but as, still um, being able to grow myself by immersing myself in another culture has been like really cool. So um, mostly online community, online networks of uh, business professionals who have very similar interests as me, but then also connecting with people in my local area who are also business-minded and um, and a more on like a personal level, being able to connect and make friends and learn more about the culture as well. No, that's fantastic. And it, it, to me, it, I've not done a lot of traveling. I I grew up in Southern Indiana. I've lived in Indiana almost my whole life, um, save one year that I, I went to school in Tennessee and decided that was not for me and I, I moved back. Um, but even just like the little bits that I've traveled, especially outside the country, you know, it's, it, I get to this point about 10 days in where it's like, I need to go home, right? Like I miss everything familiar. It's, it's so deeply unsettling to me. And just this notion, um, it, it, I'm just blown away by people who are like, I'll just go live in another country. Like it, it just, it, it, it almost like makes my heart stop. Like, I don't know how you do that because you know, what if you want to, you know, what if you want a cheeseburger from your favorite restaurant down the street? It's not there. It's 7,000 miles away. <laughs> like, What do you do? And it's just, I know it's a, just a completely different way of seeing the world, but wow. Like it would never even occur to me that it was possible 
to just go live in Ecuador for a while. Um, <laughs> and so I'm curious about that too. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? Do you have like people on the ground that are helping you kind of, you know, figure out like where to say, or, or <laughs> how does that even work? Yeah. And I can totally relate to you on the hamburger situation, like wanting to go to your favorite restaurant. Um, well, the cool thing is living abroad, there are certain restaurants and things that are international. So like, I know here in Ecuador, we have KFC, which is like amazing. Um, I know there's like McDonald's. So that's like pretty international too. Um, but there are times when you're like, man, I wish I could go to an Applebee's, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, I've never know, wanted to go to an Applebee's. But... Okay. Well, I don't <laughs> I really go to Apple... what you're saying. <laughs> I don't really go to Applebee's that much either. So it's okay. <laughs> but, um, in those instances, you get really good at cooking. Like you get really good at making your favorite dishes and, uh, it, it forces you to explore more. So, um, being able to find different places that are a match for what it is that you're wanting or craving, or, um, that could fill that, that longing for like a taste of home. So that really, it puts you in a position to be more exploratory. Um, and then just like, what do you do when you don't like, you've been a place you have no idea where the stuff is. It also puts you in a position to be more social. So um, I I would say I'm like an ambivert. So like I'm right between extrovert and introvert. So uh, being able to start up conversations with people is fairly easy for me. But then once I've done it, I'm like, okay, like I need to go home and no one call me and everyone leave me alone. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like being being in a position to where you have to force yourself to be social and ask questions and try to find things I've actually found to be like really, uh, refreshing because it causes your brain to create solutions in a way that you wouldn't have been able to do so before. If you were in an environment that was like super familiar to you, or, um, it wasn't like, a, a like a big challenge to try to get, like, try to get a meal or to try to find a restaurant that you actually love. So, um, there's that part of it that I think is like really cool. Um, but then also I totally understand and agree, agree that, uh, like living abroad is not for everyone. And I know, like, I've had this conversation with my husband multiple times, um, to where like, we want to get it, we want to go to that restaurant and it's like 8,000 miles away or, or what, however many miles it is. And so, um, it's not for everyone, but I think there definitely are some benefits and, um, that, that can be found if you're willing to let yourself be uncomfortable in that type of situation. Yeah. Um, so as somebody who is an introvert, I love being on stage, but I'm an introvert and this notion of going somewhere where I know no one and having to rely on other people and proactively ask for help. Like, I don't know if you can see it, but like just putting myself in that position, like I've got a tear of just absolute terror trying to empathize with that situation because it's just, it's so far from, you know, like, let me just say that being in quarantine was a non-issue for me personally, like me sitting in my office for 15 months, just talking to people on Zoom. I'm good. I don't don't want to go back. It's heaven. (laughs) Yes. I can relate to you with that. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it too. <laughs> and just this notion of, you know, like having to go somewhere and figure out, okay, where am I going to stay? Where am I going to, you know, where do I get groceries? How do I do this? How does the currency work? How does this work? Like 
oh my god I'm so overwhelmed right now I'm like <laughs> let's take a deep breath <laughs> let's yeah <laughs> we gotta bring me back to but but it's fascinating so like when you decided to go to Ecuador did you did you stay like in a hostel for a while did you go to a hotel did you did you know people like how did you even start that process Yes. So we actually had friends who came before us. So we did have the benefit of that, I will say. And they were the ones who were like, oh, the food is amazing. The culture is great. And here in Ecuador, um, at the time of this recording, we are also on the, the U.S. dollar. So the currency change wasn't that like extreme. Um, uh, I think like the price differences and things was like really shocking and interesting to see. But um, I think acclimating in regards to the currency was a lot easier in that regard. So, but uh, we did have friends here who like kind of were like the forerunners who shared about their experience. And I think that was helpful for us to kind of be like, okay, like let's, let's try this. Let's take the leap and see how we like this country. So um, that was definitely supportive in that regard. No, that's amazing. And so do you have, do you plan on how long you're going to stay or do you just kind of hang out and then you're like, mm, it's time to go? Yeah. Well, we're actually permanent residents here. So, um, I think the first year was like, like the, the test phase, like, okay, are we like serious about this? Do we like it here? And, um, I think also our previous year or so of, of living in Africa with, um, South Africa, Botswana, Malawi, that was also kind of eased us into being location dependent. So, um, by the time we got to Ecuador, it was like, do we like the culture? Do we like the food because you know if the food isn't good like no we're not staying <laughs> um, but do we like uh, just the environment and also is it supportive for working remotely I know working remotely has been like a big thing for a lot of people over the past year and so um, that was like a really big deciding factor as well as is it supportive for actually working remotely and being able to do the things that we need to do within business that's it's fascinating that you know just the process that you you have gone through um now do you if i may ask do you and your husband work together or are you kind of coexisting but but in separate kind of lines of work yeah we work together so over the course of the journey though we definitely it, it was interesting like you have to find your groove um, I know we were both working in like a, a corporate remote location type of work, doing different things at one point. Um, at other points, you know, I was working in the business. He was doing another venture with um, entrepreneurship. But at this point, we are both working together with um, our business. He's more along the lines of like Google Analytics systems. And I appreciate this thing, appreciate those things as well. But um, I think my strengths lie more in like the design and strategy and things things like that. So it came to a point of uh, like being in the corporate environment remotely, uh, but finding those skills and strengths and then coming back and being like, okay, like how can we partner what we love and what we're good at together to further uh, grow in business? That is awesome. And I know there are a lot, there are a lot of married couples or people who are part of married couples right now listening to this going, no way, never. And then there are probably at least as many people going, oh, that would be really cool, right? To to it's, work together toward that yeah, kind of goal. It's definitely like, I mean, there's some moments where it's like a challenge for sure. Um, but 
again, like you, it, it requires you to, to step up and be like, okay, am I going to accept this challenge or am I just going to run the other direction? And I think being able to, um, be able, being able to see a situation and realize, okay, like what's the end outcome that we want? How can we get to where we want to be and what is required to get there required in terms of our actions, our thought process, our communication, um, I think being able to identify those things and then communicate it. I mean, even if you think about it from like a team standpoint, if it's not your spouse and you're working with a team member, like you still have to be able to know what the end goal is, know how to communicate it, and then have an action plan to make it a reality. And so uh, taking that same concept and being like having meaningful, intentional conversations, I think was like absolutely crucial to even be able to make this work at all. So, um, there are definitely some challenges, but once, once you figure out a groove, it's, it's so rewarding. Danielle, I'm so glad that you're doing this work. I'm so glad that you are, are living this life fully in the way that you want to live it, that you are, you know, that you've kind of shed all these notions of who you're supposed to be to fit in and you're just paving your own way. Thank you for that. And thank you for the example that you're setting for people. I just, I'm so glad to know you. Thank you. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> I appreciate you um, saying that and pulling that gold out of me as well. And I really do hope that my story um, can encourage and inspire a lot of people too, whether you're um, in the corporate environment and you're thinking about pursuing that next level position, or if you do want to do entrepreneurship and you're thinking, okay, like, do I, do I really want to do this? Like, you know, it's a heart desire, but you're scared. You know, I just, I, I'm grateful to you for sharing your gratitude because I really, my heart is, I want to continue to encourage people that you can do hard, hard things and you can position yourself to live a life that's going to be fulfilling for you. And so, um, I'm, I'm just really excited and hope that our conversation today encourages a lot of people too. Yeah. And so for folks who are ready to do the next hard thing, who are ready to see just exactly how amazing they are and put that brand out in the world, how can they connect with you? Yeah. So if you want to connect with me, I highly encourage you send me a direct message on social media. You can find me on Instagram at professional speaker websites with an S at the end. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. If you want to search Danielle Tucker, you'll find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. And then also um, my website. So professionalspeakerwebsites.com is where you can go. Um, I have some free resources on there for anyone who's thinking about starting that rebranding process and really wants to position themselves as that thought leader and that expert that they are. You can download some free resources on the website as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Danielle. I look forward to uh, checking in with you in the future and finding out how, how things are going and, and where you're headed next. Absolutely. Me too. And thank you so much for having me, Amy. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Break Room. Have you ever felt burnt out, depressed, or otherwise exhausted by being one of the onlys at work? You know what I'm talking about. Hosted by Black psychologists, psychiatrists, and PhDs, the Break Room is a live weekly web show in the Living Corporate Network that discusses mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. Name another weekly show explicitly focused on mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. I'll wait. This is why you got to check out The Break Room, airing every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on livingcorporate.tv. 
Okay, did you love Danielle? I was so glad to meet her. And what I really loved about this interview was that heart-stopping moment where she's like, I just go to different countries and figure out how to live there. Um, I literally <laughs> was having like this, this heart palpitation moment, putting myself in that place. But I think it's so instructive that she just lives this this life where she's just unafraid to go try new things. Um, you know, she's clearly so gifted at what she does, but also just, you know, in this notion of, of living her message, right? Of stepping into your power, stepping into your brilliance, not hiding your light. Um, and I learned a lot from her today, and I have a feeling I'm going to learn a lot more from her in the future. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Living Corporate and share us with your friends and colleagues. And you can really help us out by leaving us a six-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Now, maybe you're new here and you're thinking, Amy, there are only five stars. Okay, give us all those stars. But then go the next step by leaving just a couple of sentences in your own words, telling us what you liked about the episode or the series. Don't forget to visit living-corporate.com to learn more about our other podcasts, videos, web shows, and more. See It to Be It is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a certified woman and LGBTQ-owned business dedicated to helping organizations turn their reclusive nerds into inclusive leaders. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. That's it for this episode of See It to Be It. This is Amy C. Wanninger, and I'll see you next week. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.